We apologize for the inconvenience. I'm Bradley Beasley. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Joining us, congratulations for being an Icon Award winner this year. Yes. How's it feel? Iconic. Iconic. Good. Very good. No, actually, you know, it feels like really. I mean, I'm totally, totally honored and totally proud. But it also feels like I'm 44 years old. <laughs> like, couldn't you have waited, waited. until, I, like, I, I still feel like I'm going to make seven to 20 more films, right. whether they be shorts or narratives or TV shows or whatever, or documentaries. Like, I'm going to do a lot more things. But, you know, I being in, you know, such good company you know with bird and yeah. tim i was like those guys to me those guys are iconic you know right. i don't see myself that way at all you know well, i'm a guy that likes to tell stories based in oklahoma right. hopefully um about these little subcultures that other communities don't know about and hopefully these films you know humanize and and bond people together but you know, I don't think that makes me iconic. I think it makes me well, uh, tenacious and willing. <laughs> well, no, but you're you're still an integral part, kind of from the beginning of Dead Center, though. I mean, this is kind of where you cut your teeth. You were kind of an icon, a Dead Center created icon, so to speak, right? Well, my very first film uh, that I finished in '99 and premiered at South by, like the next stop was in June at the fairgrounds in the year 2000. Um, Hill Stomp Holler was the film, but I was at, you know, I screened my first film at Dead Center. 15 years later, I'm screening my latest film, and there was like 11 in between that. You know, everything Mm -hmm. I've made. um, So I I came up with Dead Center. You know, my career has been informed and in concert with Dead Center at every step of the way, year for year. So. Well, I think that's. Going back to you, feel you know out of place maybe a little with Tim and Bird, but these are Oklahoma Icon Awards, and you know in the terms of Oklahoma film industry, you I think you'd very much qualify as an icon. And the fact that, like you're saying, your your career has paralleled Dead Center almost the same. Like you started with the same year Dead Center started, really was your first film release, and now here you are. Dead Center's kept going and growing. You've kept going and growing and released some really significant films. People, I mean. Even something as crazy, you know, we were at your panel yesterday, you're talking about the Oklahoma noodling. I mean, the fact that you made a, a film about that culture that then spawned that culture to sort of explode into mm-hmm. its own new festival. and, and uh, Yeah, I, mean, that's, I, I, that's I didn't crazy. know that you had you actually were the creator of the noodling festival, noodling tournament. Yeah, as a device for the first uh, Okie okay. Noodling documentary, you know, I wanted these guys to have some kind of organic format to meet one another that the audience didn't necessarily need to know that I created. Even though, you know, that's always my mantra. If you're going to create a device, make sure the audience knows that the filmmakers are going to manipulate them in that way. So the voiceover clearly indicates that we decided to start this tournament, you know. Uh, but it was a win-win. It was a win for sure. the filmmakers, but it was also a win for the noodlers themselves to have a place, have a sense of community, a broader sense of community that they'd never had before. Um, yeah, these guys felt 
disrespected for for years. So for them to um, get the respect from this tournament was 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 great for them and great for the film. So then people that used to do noodling before this, it wasn't really considered much of a sport or wasn't really considered something that, I don't know, yeah, they were they were the people do. They were the underbelly. Yeah, they yeah. were the, 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 the redneck the, A subculture. That, you know, crawl around inside of the river bottoms and creek beds. Well, they still do that. Well, they still I, do and that. And I'm among but, them. But, I'll be but, going almost, out tomorrow, amongst, by the way. Oh, wait, oh, that's like a derogatory yeah. term, but right. you've elevated it above that. Um, so that brings us to this year where I'm going to definitely talk about both films that you were involved in this year. The first one being Park Grubs. Tell us about Park Grubs. Yeah, so Park Grubs are these prank phone calls that were recorded in 1983 in Bartlesville um, by a man that wants to go unnamed, Mm -hmm. who uh, (laughs) is in the film only briefly to tell me that he doesn't want to be in the film and to go find other people to be in my film to tell the story. That was my first interview. I thought, wow. That was the first one. Are we really going to make this film? (laughs) And this is one of these projects like Okie Noodling, like Sweethearts at the Prison Rodeo, that had stewed with me for two decades, even though they were recorded in 83. I didn't hear about them until I got in college in 1990 at Norman at the art school at OU and all my mentors, people like John Mooneyham and Gordy Holmes and Wayne Coyne, all these guys were listening to these prank phone calls and those were the cool guys and Mm -hmm. then they would trade. You know, it was pre-internet, so it was viral before there was a viral, but... Essentially, these prank phone calls would, you know, they would call a man selling a canoe and suggest that they wanted to go up there in Tahlequah and live in that canoe. (laughs) I'm thinking about, I'm going to bathe your entire family tonight. That's what I always think of. We did get to see it yesterday. You know, a tub with water and the sponges. And they're still hysterical today. Yeah, they they are, and I'm glad they resonate with an audience. We premiered at South by people got the joke, and I had no idea because, you know, we had been in our own little group listening to these calls for years, and we thought they were funny, but we had no idea. You know, we showed it in San Francisco about four days ago, and they thought it was funny. So I'm glad that other people are finally hearing these. And this was pre-Jerky Boys, pre-Roy D. Mercer, pre-all that stuff. I almost feel like Roy D. Mercer is almost copycatting Park Grubs. You know, we interviewed him. Oh, did you really? Yeah, he didn't didn't make the, the final cut because we interviewed him so late in the process. It took us a while to get approval. But he claims that um, he'd never heard of Park Grubs, even though he's okay. from Tulsa and they're from Barnesville. But they are—they're really an, an underground thing yeah. that you know all the Norman punk rockers were into. Basically, did you ever have your own copy of one of the tapes? Oh, absolutely! Uh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> A guy in Norman, Doctor Terry Slade, gave me gave me my first. Do you still Park have it? Grubs tape. No, I don't have it. You know. <laughs> For whatever reason, in about 93, uh, the Fleming Lips contingent decided to remaster those. They used to play the calls uh, before their shows. How did they really? So once they remastered them, you know, I had like a dat copy. Wow. High high flute back then. But, you know, these calls, um, they really informed our, like, 
artwork and my friend uh, Wampus down in Norman, Steve mm-hmm. Reynolds, yes. five-time Jeopardy champion, by yeah. the way. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah. Go Wampus. Yeah. <laughs> he uh, named his band after these prank phone calls, uh, the Butman Call, if you remember uh, that. Yes. Like his, his punk rock band with um, Wyatt Smith, Chris Johnson, and Andrew Falk, um, they were called the Butman. <laughs> That's and, <laughs> you know, people would, you know, there were short films made in college about yeah. this. Like, our entire vernacular was based around the Park Grubbs calls. Now, in the documentary, you show that you tracked down some of these people that got prank called, like the Butman family. How did you track them down? How did you find these people? Well, tracking them down wasn't that great of a story uh mrs uh butman is on facebook oh okay <laughs> and she actually she actually called i just got a call from my co-director uh ben steinbauer uh on the way over here and uh mrs butman and her husband gary are going to be at our tulsa screening at the circle cinema awesome. in uh august um but she's on facebook so that's how <laughs> we, we, we found her um <laughs> And uh, the Goose Girl, um, who has the Hummel figurine, the Goose Girl. She still has has it. She still has it. But she was really easy to find because she gives her address out to Park Grubbs. And we simply drove to her house and went up and knocked on the door. Still lives in the same house. And instead of saying, hey, you guys are weirdos. Get out of here with these cameras. I don't want to talk to you. She was like, come on in. I'd love to hear the call. Well, right there, friendly Oklahoma. Well, that's are. one of the things that I think highlights Park Grubbs and why it works so well is people in Oklahoma are so damn friendly. And that's and why they were receptive to these people yes. calling them that wanted to buy a canoe, but then it <laughs> you know, went you into sure bathing your entire family tonight. <laughs> but I, yeah, I'm hoping this film will uh, turn people on to the calls and we can share them because like I said, this is one of those films like before I made Okie Noodling, you know, I I thought about it for 10 years and Uh Sweethearts of the Prison Rodeo. I was, you know, on Sunday morning reading the newspapers coming up with my own narrative of what could possibly happen in the McAllister State Prison Rodeo being a kid from the suburbs of Mm -hmm. Oklahoma City and more. Like I didn't know prisoners. I didn't know rodeo people. So I thought about making that film for for 15 years. And with Park Grubbs, I thought about making this film since I was in art school in 1991. And I finally got around to making it. And I think all the films that I make... That you know, they stew with me for years. You That's get you get drunk at a amazing. party and you tell enough people about it, and you finally are like, "I'm I'm sick of talking about this. I just right. want to go right. do it." Right. And that's how they all they all work. But mm. but thank you. Yeah, Sweethearts Prison Rodeo was certainly a, a gratifying film, and all the folks that were in the film, all the former inmates, are now out doing really well. Oh, great! Um, and super proud of that. <clears throat> That another film that you, this is one I'm not as, as familiar with, is The Vertigree with Bo Jennings. Yeah, The Vertigris in the Search Vertigris, of Will Rogers um, is directed by Bo Jennings, um, who I met at South By in 2009. I was premiering uh, Sweethearts the Prison Rodeo 
He liked the film. We know a lot of the same people. Mm -hmm. Um, And he asked me if I would be interested in helping him with this film that was loosely inspired by Will Rogers. And like I said earlier in the Q&A, I said yes, but I say yes to everybody. Yeah, sure, I'll help you with your film. (laughs) Thinking that most people don't have the resolve to make a film because, you know, it's arduous. (laughs) You have to be tenacious. So I just thought, you know, he wouldn't follow up, but he did. And, you know, three months later, we're in Ulaga Mm -hmm. at the lake there, which was the um, birthplace of Will Rogers. And he's from Inola, which is just uh, southeast of there, um, not too far. So he had this connection with Will, and we did this first film. And the film is really almost like a museum piece. It's very site-specific. He does like an installation, a music installation, Mm -hmm. at these pivotal sites in Will Rogers' life. He traveled around all over the country. Yeah, Yeah. we we went to the place... uh, where he and Wiley Post uh, went down in a fiery crash. Of course, the pilot has a... We went to Barrow, Alaska. Ah. Um, and we, we, we traveled along the Arctic Ocean on four-wheelers and filmed really? polar bears. Wow. And wow. we got Holy to the hell. site, and one of our four-wheelers, the ATV... Um, ran out of gas and we were stranded out there and some caribou hunters came by and that was cool about this particular site was that a lot of these places didn't have an audience like he'd do the song at Ulaga or in Los Angeles and it was just him but this one there were these hunters watching that came up that got to watch him perform that song imagine being them and all of a sudden yeah. you're in the middle of nowhere <laughs> literally at the top of America yeah. <laughs> and you're this guy's playing these songs so that's crazy yeah and that film um Premiered today. It's screening again um, tomorrow. Tomorrow at five forty-five. Uh, yeah, uh, Bo has uh, a, a record also called The Vertigris that that just came out, and basically he was inspired to buy uh, Will Rogers and di- different themes of his life to write these songs, and uh, he asked me to help him make a film, and I just did what I could to to help. That's awesome. That's, uh, that's more information about that film than I have. Yeah. We actually had gone a couple weeks ago to see him perform. He did an, uh, a show at the Overholzer Mansion where he basically performed that album end to end. It was very interesting to, to see. It, was, it made a lot of sense later when we found out that it was sort of a pairing to this film. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, a lot of those songs and the lyrics and the things that he's talking about seemed a little odd. It's just a standalone album, but when you compare it or you pair it with a the movie you're describing that, that sounds like it would be a much a very interesting thing I didn't realize that he had traveled around to all these locations yeah I didn't realize that either so it's a little bit of a travelogue yeah I mean gosh we went to Los Angeles we went to New York we went to Barrow of course I love it that uh, Barrow. Barrow. <laughs> the most northernmost cities in the world isn't it Barrow I think it uh, is or at least in it, Alaska anyway yeah in, well in the, in the states yeah yeah it's yeah, very desolate. I wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily recommend it. Recommend it. <laughs> uh, Will, Will Rogers has a quote where he says, uh, "Good judgment 
comes uh, from experience, and a lot of that comes from bad judgment. So, like, <laughs> like in, in your years of filmmaking, where have you gotten your experiment or experience from some of the the bad judgment? Wow, I, I think my you know first film, Hill Stomp Holler, um, was really my training ground. It was between going to graduate school or making a film about these really cantankerous bluesmen from Mississippi that could care less if I was making a film about them. So, and it was, you know, pre cell phones trying to schedule this stuff and figure out where these guys are going to be. You know, I learned a lot of filmmaking lessons there. Um, I mentioned yesterday in the, the, the panel, you know, in 1999, I didn't know what music licensing was. So I um, went into this and I got the talent release from R.L. Burnside, Sidel Davis, T-Model Ford, and I was going through Fat Possum Records, and I thought, oh yeah, if this guy signed off on my talent release, you know, I can use his music Mm -hmm. in my film. So you finish the film, you premiere it at a festival, that's all fine, and then you get ready for a broadcast deal or whatever, and they're like, well, where's your publishing rights? And I'm like, what are publishing rights? (laughs) I have have no idea. I got permission from the artist, right? So, you know, I really learned a lot of lessons there just just by diving in and being super naive and Mm -hmm. doing it. But then that led to Okie Noodling, and that led to the Fearless Freaks, and yeah, before you know it, you've you've got a career on accident. <laughs> on accident. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't know I was going to be a freelance filmmaker. It just kind of happened. And then you'd probably never expected that you would actually become a noodler yourself. And as you said yesterday on the panel, I'm a pants noodler. Oh, man. What does that mean? It means I wear pants when I do. <laughs> Just no, some clarification. Because like so you're going to go noodling tomorrow, correct? I'm going to go all week. The tournament all is week? on. Yeah. The tournament is on uh, Saturday, Down a week Paul's from Valley. today, on the 20th, and this will be the first year. This is the 16th year of the tournament. I, or is it the 15th? Uh, I think it's the 16th. I started in 2000. Anyway. Um, this is the first year I get to compete, so I don't have any responsibilities this no, year. So I'm going to go choice. out scouting for spots this week, and it's yeah, it's embarrassing how much I'm in love with the sport of, <laughs> Not of, of noodling. There's like, nothing embarrassing about that. It's so uh, therapeutic and romantic out there on the Oklahoma rivers. I, I love it more than anything. Now, what, which rivers are you scouting in? Rivers, creeks? What are the what I'm, runs through Paul's Valley? I can't picture that geographically. Well, right you now. you go. You, it does. It well, the Washita runs through okay. Paul's Valley, and I know that well because I have a uh, close friend, Phil Henderson, that has some land that runs through the Washita that we go out there. But you know, guys go all over the state. Okay. And uh, I'm more of a creek and river guy because I, it's really like this Huck Finn type adventure where you're moving and you're seeing stuff when you're on the lake you know you'll probably be listening to kid rock and cruising around (laughs) drinking coors light and like it's just not as romantic right i I still love it all like getting bit by a a catfish is um a lot like having sex for the first time you get real (laughs) real you get real giddy beforehand um, kind of nervous and you're kind of excited and then it bites you and uh, there's a release <laughs> <laughs> and 
That's probably the best comparison I've ever yeah. heard. <laughs> it's true, man. It, it is better than sex. Wow. Noodling. Who knew? Hey, uh, can I, I go with not, you tomorrow? I yeah. wouldn't have guessed that. that it's, it's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. So what was the, 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 the very first time that you grabbed a fish? What was that sensation? Was it disbelief? It, it, I mean, it still surprises me. I, I've done it hundreds of times, but when the, the catfish bites you, it really hurts. And you're like, <laughs> wow. Why am I doing I this? I forget how bad it hurts. Like, you, I usually scream. Like, I laugh. Do you really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't, do you use gloves or do you want to feel the teeth? Hold on, hold on. No, Give no, us no. an example of the scream. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I, I definitely use gloves and it still hurts. I mean, you can have shoes on and they'll bite and it'll hurt but for some reason i keep i keep doing it do people actually lose fingers because you're, no, you're that's not a thing. Too. No. i loved how the hand came up yeah <laughs> i mean that's a little sensational to be honest with you it's really <laughs> like you don't lose fingers awesome. you don't lose fingers well best of luck in the tournament yeah absolutely. Oh, i'd like to hear that uh that you won something I, I hope to be up there on that stage, not <laughs> passing out the awards, but receiving the awards. The, uh, the only person in Oklahoma to be an icon of Dead Center and an award-winning noodler. That would be pretty <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for joining us, Brad. Hey, we thanks really for having me, guys. It was thank great you so much. You. Right. Cool. That was easy, man. You get the whiskey, baby. I'll get the wine.